0: Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Sue Paul, president and founder of Synergy Consulting, co-founder of Metapreneurs, and co-founder of PGX 101. She also serves as a member of the Innovation Advisory Council for the Cedarville University School of Pharmacy. We will hear about her journey as a pharmacy entrepreneur and her vision for what pharmacy practice can be. Welcome back to Disrupt. I'm pleased to have as our guest this week, Sue Paul. Sue, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Justin. I'm I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Great. Well, we have a ton to talk about, so I don't want to uh, belabor the point. So let me just dive in by first asking you to tell us a little bit about your journey as a pharmacist. Where did it begin? Where have you been?
1: I am a graduate of University of Cincinnati College of Pharmacy. I was interested in pharmacy by uh, just a speaker who came to my high school. It sounded good. I was very good at chemistry and math and thought that sounded good. I didn't really want to pursue anything that involved blood, and so pharmacy seemed like the perfect place to be, and um, really enjoyed my time in college, and then once I got out, I really didn't have any huge ideas of what I wanted to do, but I loved retail, and I stayed there. I worked for a big box chain until I was called by... um, Dr. Lee at the College of Pharmacy, and he said that there was an opportunity in nursing homes. And so um, after being in retail for about two years, I went the nursing home route um, as a consultant and then in the uh, long-term care pharmacy. And I really found out that I enjoyed that. Um, And it's just gone on from there. So uh, I had a... I did the nursing homes, I added in independent pharmacies because I truly loved the retail aspect of it. And then, you know, 20 years after being out of school, I decided to hop into hospital for a bit. So it's it's been a varied career.
0: Well, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about those experiences that you've had as a hospital pharmacist as well.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. So um, the Corporation I was working at for the um, long term care, they let go of all their PRN pharmacists. And uh, I had been PRN but working three days a week because they um, were in some transition. So I found something else to add on to the uh, re- uh, um, independent pharmacies in the hospital. And that was good. I mean, we have the foundation that we need. I needed to, of course, add some skill sets that I was missing and was able to do that through opportunities with the hospital um, and really found a niche in the COAG clinic, which is funny because I was avoiding blood when I first started on my path um, <laughs> and, and truly enjoyed that. But, but the whole time in the nursing homes, I kept thinking, you know, if somebody had got, a pharmacist had gotten to these patients before they needed this level of care, they probably wouldn't need to be here. And I kept seeing that at the independent pharmacy where I worked at, where they have a bag of meds at home and bring home eight more prescriptions. And I thought somebody should do something about this, and that's kind of where I got the idea from Syner- for Synergy Consulting through those um, avenues, seeing the different issues in with medications.
0: Okay, so that's uh, I think the the first of your many. Uh business interests that I'd love to talk about. So tell us more about Synergy Consulting. What do you do? And um, what kind of stuff do you are you involved in as a pharmacist?
1: And basically, it's ba- back to basics, you know, medication reconciliation, making sure every medication has um, a diagnosis, see if it's still needed. Was it for uh, stress prophylaxis of um, a GI um, ulcer? And they don't need it anymore. Um, Is their A1C down to 5.2? And they don't need to be taking three different diabetic medications any longer. So that's kind of where I am. Deprescribing is my thing, getting people off of medication. Um, I do a lot of lifestyle counseling. And that is the basis behind Synergy Consulting.
0: So you primarily operate here in the state of Ohio, but your services are are unique from functioning under a collaborative practice agreement from what I understand. So tell us a little bit more about that. Who do you partner with? How do you identify those patients that you have an opportunity to influence uh, through your services?
1: I work team-based care. We work as a team with the patient and the provider to come up with a plan for the patient. So I see the patient for about, I work in physician's office and my role there is the uncontrolled patient, patients with uncontrolled chronic disease states. Um, And so uh, they'll see a patient and they won't have time to take that extra moment to talk about, don't drink 12 Cokes a day or or whatever. And they will send them to me for some of that counseling and then medication tweaking. I also am uh, able to order the labs in that setting. And it's really been um, very rewarding. Um, It's really fascinating how it's gone from hypertension, diabetes, tobacco cessation, to yesterday, one-third of the patients I had on my schedule were mood follow-ups. And it's really amazing how it's evolved. And honestly, because of the pandemic, I believe, more and more are mood. I think the week before that, I probably had Uh, two-thirds of my patients being mood follow-ups. And so we do pharmacogenomic testing. And I do talk to them about um, coping skills and things like that that I've just learned along the way and then um, am able to tweak their medications based on what they're telling me.
2: So could you describe... Like, What does this business model look like practically on the day-to-day? Because I I think when a lot of people hear consulting, they think I'm I'm either sitting at a desk or I get the phone call from someone, whoever it might be. But um, from my understanding, it it sounds like you're more integrated into the day-to-day of the clinics that you're supporting. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so we have um, five locations and two, I go to three of them. So three days a week, I am in the uh, practice with the providers, seeing the patients, and I have a schedule um, each day, which is booked. Um, I really am looking to maybe add on another pharmacist because it's um, becoming more and more overwhelming trying to get patients who haven't been seen for a while into the office. And so my schedule has 14 slots on it. I have 30 minute appointments and I see them for about uh, 25 minutes or so. And we come up with a plan and then talk with the doctor and then um, um, reschedule them for the next appointment, draw labs if we need to make the changes, send in the prescriptions, see if they need a blood pressure cuff, you know, all the all the things. So that's what I get to do three days a week. And then the other days I have um, independent customers, people who reach out, who want some help managing their uh, medications, either themselves or for their caregivers, for their parents. Or I just had one who reached out this week. They've got two children who they're trying to get on the right medications for them.
0: So another thing you mentioned, Sue, was um, your work in pharmacogenomics. So could you elaborate a little bit more about the types of patients you've seen this testing be helpful for?
1: Well, it certainly is um, helpful in so many aspects of medicine, from oncology to respiratory therapy, neurology, uh, mental health, pain, um, and cardiology. Primarily, we use it in our clinic primarily for the mental health issues. Um, that's where we have found a good place for it. Um, I when I learned about pharmacogenomics, it was in the hospital setting where I was, and I was concerned because the physician, the cardiologist, kept prescribing the higher cost P2Y12 inhibitors. And the patients were coming back the next month and they couldn't afford the co-pays even because they were so expensive. And I was wondering why they didn't use the lower cost clopidogrel. Uh, Come to find out that there was some pharmacogenomic uh, markers associated with that and fell down that rabbit hole. Learned as much as I could. Uh, Farm gen ed out of um, San Diego uh, by uh, Grace Quo and her um, colleagues was a fantastic resource for me to really dive deep as a pharmacist does into the science behind this. And I thought I found like the magic answer to what why people uh, didn't respond the same way to every medication. Um, when I was in school or in pharmacy, just starting out, everybody had the same thing for heart failure. They got their three medications and I would refill them month after month, whether they worked or not. And so it really opened up my eyes to what was possible. And then I brought it into the um, practice where I currently am because they were uh, struggling to treat mental health patients. Um, It takes at least six months in the area where we are to get into psychiatry. And so the primary care providers are the ones who are um, uh, prescribing the medications and uh, it's really been one of the most rewarding things I've done as a pharmacist.
0: Um, So. Well, not only have you used pharmacogenomics in the clinical care that you provide, but you've also created another, uh, I guess I call it side hustle, if you will, in uh, PGX 101. So tell us about this uh, business venture that you've been on for quite a number of years now. What is PGX 101 and, and what are your goals with this?
1: So what I came to find out is, you know, I took that deep dive, but there really wasn't much out there for uh, other pharmacists to learn about this incredible science. And so I did not necessarily want to start another business, but I felt so passionately that we need to teach other pharmacists the the concepts behind pharmacogenomics um, that we created PGX-101 um, I was just in my own little bubble doing my own thing, trying to t- t- best take care of patients. It's like, well, yeah, there's lots of physicians and pharmacists who just, uh, and other providers who don't understand um, how significant this can be, whether when you can metabolize your medicines or not.
0: So, how often are you going out and uh, providing PGX 101 training? Who are some of the audiences that you've been able to impact?
1: Yeah, it's been really neat. We've been doing it since 2018. We've trained hundreds. We're still in the hundreds. I can't wait to become a McDonald's and say, you know, 1.3 billion, served. But um, so we've trained a, a wide variety of people, mostly pharmacists. But we've had some um, oncologists go through our program. We've had some genetic counselors go through our program, nurse practitioners, but primarily pharmacists. Uh, We've um, pivoted to virtual with the pandemic and that's worked out really well for us. We love the energy that's involved with the um, in-person events, but um, this has been really neat and we've been able to reach more people doing it this way. I think Dan said our last training, we had 15 people uh, from 12 different states. And so it's really neat, the variety of people that, and we offer it about every other month or so. Um, And then we speak at other events. We've done Florida Pharmacists Association, Ohio Pharmacists, um, NCPA. um, And so just getting out there, um, doing a talk at APHA this spring, And so it's, it's really been, it's really been a fun ride. I've got a great partner um, and our skill sets definitely complement each other.
0: Sue, if Synergy Consulting and PGX 101 weren't enough, you also have another really significant undertaking and that is Metapreneurs. So if you could give us your elevator speech, if you will, for this organization that you've helped to have a hand in creating.
1: So thanks for asking Justin. Um, Metapreneurs was born out of two pharmacists who were just trying to make a difference, myself and Dr. Anna Garrett. And what we have created is a community for pharmacists who like to think outside the box. It's a community of support. Um, We brought in Michelle Fritch, who actually at the time of this recording has taken over Metapreneurs. We are in the fifth year of our um, business. And I am taking on an advisory role and Michelle is um, uh, helping it to flourish and continue on. And so our next meeting will be in Cincinnati, Ohio at the University of Cincinnati again. We have had three successful live meetings where we bring in pharmacists and other healthcare providers who have ideas and want some support in implementing those and taking them to the next level and coming up with action steps. And so that is Metapreneurs in a nutshell. The beautiful thing is, is it is that community of support. We celebrate each one's accomplishments together. And we also are there for each other when things don't go as expected. Um, It's very tough trying to create new, and ideas. And so, um, it's just been a wonderful experience. Thanks for asking.
0: Uh, You've maybe already alluded to this Sue, but I would love to take a moment and just ask about what do you feel are the factors that have helped you to be successful as an entrepreneur and a pharmacist, or as to use your term, a, a metapreneur?
1: Um, well, a, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I never envisioned that. But it really broke my heart to see medication so mismanaged and medicate in America so over medicated by the current healthcare system. And so I think some of the things that have helped me are just some basics, being kind, um, um, being resilient, being persistent. Like, I didn't have any special skills or anything. I did go out and try to uh, find them when I saw where I was lacking, and I still have lots of work to do. But just um, taking that extra step, you know, if a patient comes into the pharmacy, oh, I'm sorry, your insurance doesn't cover XYZ drug, take the extra step, find out what's covered, contact the doctor. And, yes, I know we don't have time right now, but those, those are the things that I did. You know, if a doctor sends me a question, I don't just say, here's the answer. I say, here's the answer. This is, it's covered, you know, and this is how you want to send it in. And this is how you want to dose it. And they can take that information and do with it what they want. But taking that extra step, um, has been really beneficial for me.
2: The impression I get, is is really like the the proactive closing the communication loop sort of thing as the inspiration behind really all of all of what you've done with any of your business ventures? Where I see, um, pretty consistently, you look at it and go, "There's a problem here, and everybody knows it, but I'm going to try and address it." And of course, some of that just happening unintentionally becoming a a, a great opportunity where you probably didn't anticipate. Uh, in that first meeting with that with that friend of yours and coworker, of this is going to turn into something much bigger in this business venture. It, it was probably more the, I just need to call that doctor. They they need to they need to know that this is not covered. And then that communication turns into suddenly you likely developed some sort of network from that. Is 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 that kind of how the that got off the ground as it started, or is, did it look something else entirely?
1: That Those are a lot of the key components. That's very insightful. I never thought of it that way, but um, that is certainly how it happened. Yeah, I call it my 20 seconds of crazy, and I've had several instances of that. One is breakfast with uh, Anna. Uh, one is uh, we were down at APHA with uh, Dan Krinsky, my other business partner in PGX 101. Hey, we should make a business out of this. <laughs> okay and it's been so fun it really has and it's a truly a faith journey you know uh, god call, doesn't equip the call he calls their you know he, he he equips the called is what what i feel like he's doing for me because i wasn't equipped with what i needed to be able to do this on my own by any stretch of the imagination
0: so, I'd love if you could elaborate a little bit more on the importance of finding the right connections and mentors and partners. It seems that that's been a big theme that we've heard too. So, have you reached out to say, hey, I need a mentor on this? And how has that been influential for you as an entrepreneur?
1: It really has. You know, with OPA and those networking opportunities, that really got me started thinking that with synergy, things were possible. And what I, you know, I met people there. And then if they had something interesting, I went and visited their location, spent a lot of time in Columbus. I got to visit um, Alan Nickel, uh, Stu Beatty, Baila Meda, um, I can't even tell you how many. And what I did was I took, uh, it felt like it was a big um smorgasbord and i took the pieces that i liked out of each of their practices and just cr- kind of created my, my own i went and did a pitch for um a business incubator um um and and, and got, got in and it was kind of one of those another 30 seconds hey that sounds interesting and it was called bad girl ventures which really called to my soul um <laughs> i'm not sure why but it, and and i went in and learned so much about business plans and things, and then realized I needed a little more information. And it really truly is when I look back and watch that journey unfold, the people and the things that I needed at the time were put in my path, so that I would, didn't have to take too much um, smartness to realize that's, that's the direction I needed to go.
2: I think what's great about that too is like you, you just mentioned a list of people and um, I'm familiar with Stu, of course, and I've heard about the things that he works on with OSU and being in a, a CPC plus clinic, for example. Um, but you, as you mentioned, you could go and find those things and go, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily want that exact part or exactly how that looks like, but I'll fit it to a different business model that's appropriate for the area that I'm in and find some success with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've created a job that I absolutely love.
0: So we've talked about some of the factors that have been helpful in your success. What would you say are some of the biggest barriers that you've had to overcome?
1: Um, Mindset. Definitely mindset. Uh, Having the business mentor that I initially had was huge with that. She's like, who are you not to be able to do this Type of thing, um, your uh, it's a disservice to the universe if you don't put your gifts and skills out there. Like she really had us thinking big, and then um, uh, set us up with coaches and 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 things like that to be able to break through obstacles and such. You know, I, I read Ryan Holiday's uh, "The Obstacle Is the Way," and it really hit home. and and it's, it's such an amazing book because it's like you run into an obstacle. Okay, well, that's not the way. Let's pivot to the right or pivot to the left and find a different way. And that different way is always better than the path I was going down. And I've done that enough times now where when I do run into frustrations or obstacles, um, I know that something better is coming along the pike and I just need to look for uh, other opportunities or ways to do it.
2: So along with mindset, something that we've discussed previously on the on the show has been that it, it can be kind of this like paralysis effect for pharmacists where the organizational aspect of like large, very conventional looking healthcare jobs, either at a health system or, or wherever it might be in an outpatient pharmacy, even um, these can have like a a very big safety net kind of with the corporate ladder or just the knowledge of, I know my benefits, I know my income, things like that. So um, what steps do you think pharmacists need to take in order to kind of shed the paralysis, but then also embrace an entrepreneurial spirit uh, so that they can advance their practice and impact their community or at least the care that they're providing to them?
1: Ooh, you're, you're, you're uh, hitting I'm... some dangerous uh, <laughs> areas there because I don't know that I don't know that pharmacy calls a lot of people who are willing to uh, who who don't like the safety net I just want to bring in every pharmacist for one day <laughs> to see what kind of things that the doctors have to deal with I'm sorry that they receive from pharmacies albuterol inhalers the bane of my existence <laughs> just. <laughs> The the doctor truly really 99% of the time does not care which one. Um, We just want to take care of the patient. Uh, um, The prior authorization requests I get for that, probably three a week. Mindset, working around things. I I feel like I did go from black and white as a black and white pharmacist to more of a gray pharmacist. And I really like being in that gray zone but even our, all of our publications and everything speak toward the black and white. You know, we have the, you have to do it this way or you're going to um, be sued. Or, you know, there's always that that um, law aspect in, in some of the publications that are sent out. Um, That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that our profession calls to the people who like black and white safety nets.
2: Yeah, and even as you mentioned, this is it's beyond just the entrepreneur spirit, but more the how do you how do you understand and apply the law and the interpretation of it? How do you understand and apply clinical knowledge? It's it's really like all-encompassing where we really like to have these the rules, the standards of I know step one is this, I take step two, step three because the protocol says, or whatever it might be. Um, but really what you're describing is like you need to learn to embrace this the newness of, I'm not exactly sure what to do, but we'll figure it out and we'll go from there.
1: I think the clinical thinking skills have been taken out of pharmacists hands for the most part with all the rules and everything that are and regulations that are in, and the, um, reimbursement issues through, um, uh, insurance companies and stuff. It is really have made pharmacists step back into what is their role and what can they do and it's it's terrible. I think on the physician on the provider side it makes us look um, like a nuisance versus helpful and that's really something that we are going to have to fight against and bring in some providers who have had the opportunity to work with pharmacists, and realize their that team based care and, and how much more it serves the patient when people are using their skill sets that they've been given to work together.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that when we embrace a questioning attitude, that's when new ideas are generated. That's when we improve patient care. And, and that's what I, what I hear from your story is simply that you're willing to not only ask the questions and identify them, but then go the next step and find a new answer. So with that in mind, I wanted to ask you about a term I've heard you talk about in a number of different settings, and that is the term entrepreneurship. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship, but this is a really fascinating idea. So, Sue, could you give us your definition of entrepreneurship and describe why that's so important for many pharmacists who may be working um, a, a job for a corporation and not, be, not being their own bosses?
1: Yeah. entrepreneurship certainly is the way to know, to go. And I think that is going to be the key aspect that changes healthcare. Um, so basically if you see that gap in care, you come up with a creative solution, you develop a business plan and you pitch it, you're an entrepreneur. You're coming up with a solution to a problem that's currently, um, happening, um, One of the best entrepreneurs I know is uh, Kimber Booth, Uh, Dr. Kimber Booth. She um, has started her own consulting company, um, and she's just amazing. She created over 40 positions at a local health system down here. She was there for just over two years. And just what she's been able to do. So she came to Metapreneurs, and I said, you could do this for just more than just one healthcare system. And she's created a business out of that. So now she consults to all these other um, healthcare systems and her slogan is do more with more. And so, and she's adding in pharmacist positions, you know, all over. And it's just such an amazing thing. Um, And that's entrepreneurship. Um, You know, when I was, in the independent pharmacies, my idea was to have a slushy machine. And like, we need to be like McDonald's. We want to be where at this, our independent hometown pharmacy, where the kid says, Mommy, I'm sick. I need to go get my medicine. Let's go to that place with the slushies. You know, who doesn't feel <laughs> want a slushy when they have a sore throat or, or whatever? Um, it never took off the ground. They didn't listen to me, but I've had these ideas all along. Um, even the pharmacogenomics, throwing that into our pra- current practice setting, they've really allowed me to innovate there. It's amazing what they've allowed me to do. Um, and, uh, it, it's, re- it makes, it's so rewarding for me, for them, for the patient. It's just fun.
0: As we sit here recording today. The news media have stories about the Omicron variants of uh, COVID-19 all over the place. And we know that COVID-19 has impacted nearly every aspect of our lives. I'm curious to hear when you think about the various things that you're involved in, how's COVID-19 changed your work? (laughs) How is it not, maybe is a better question, right?
1: (laughs) Well, it it certainly has given um, uh, job security. One of my physicians says, uh, Oh, you have the gifts of COVID, hashtag gifts of COVID. You're uh, 15 pounds overweight now. Your blood pressure and your diabetes is out of control. You're going to come back to Sue and she's going to help facilitate you through these gifts of COVID (laughs) or walk with you. So that's been interesting. Um, Telehealth has certainly been helpful in some circumstances, limited circumstances, I'd have to say. There's nothing like that in-person type of thing. And then um, at PGX 101, just to be able to go virtual, we had a lady, uh, uh, an attendee um, at one of our events in 2020, she had just had a baby. Like the baby came early and she was able to still attend because it was virtual. So it's really been r- nifty to see um, the changes in technology that have um, facilitated the businesses.
0: So I want to change gears a little bit. We've talked a lot about looking back at your, your story and the things you've been able to, to do and accomplish. Now I want to look forward a little bit. So this is a chance for us to dream, Sue. Where do you think the pharmacy profession is going in the future? And how do we get there?
1: Well, I think we're definitely going to be more clinical and team-based at how we get there. I still think, so for my vision for retail pharmacy is that we're still going to be a place where um, those who want to can come and pick up their prescriptions. But it's going to be more of an appointment-like model. Where the pharmacist actually sits down, sits down with you, goes through your medications, and then makes recommendations to the physician through a collaborative practice agreement. Um, and then they're going to say, oh, you should follow up with your physician about this or or what. And just kind of be that touch point, extra touch point on the patient. So that's where I see um, retail pharmacy going Um I think that there's going to be more and more pharmacists on the care teams, especially the specialty care teams in health systems, um, whether it be oncology. Um, one of my our, uh, metapreneur um, people have, has gone off and created an easier oncology course. Her, uh, uh, Dr. Kelly C. PharmD, um, she has simplified oncology and made it into bite-sized pieces. So I really think that there's gonna be pharmacists with more opportunities to uh, help out with uh, the greater opportunities with the new medications that are out there. HIV care, you know, the public health pharmacist. Um, I just see a place for pharmacists on every team. It's it's gonna be like, what, you don't have a nurse? What, you don't have a pharmacist? i think that's where it's gonna be um we just need to bring in those providers who actually work with pharmacists to help us advocate advocate we're, we're great at telling other pharmacists how wonderful we are <clears throat> but uh the whole medical profession in general it uh we could use some help with that
0: Well, we're thankful that you've been a great example of telling the story of where a pharmacist can make an impact daily in your work with the various physicians and other providers that you partner with, but also um, in your work with OPA and other organizations and even here at Cedarville. So thank you for doing that, Sue. No,
1: you're welcome. What
0: do you feel that we need to do to prepare future pharmacists with the skills needed to be change agents in healthcare. So we talked about where we want it to go. How do we get our young pharmacists and students who are future pharmacists prepared for these types of practices and to be the change that they want to see?
1: Ah, you're on on some touchy ground there. Um, (laughs) Well, what what I've seen with these, some of these business planning opportunity classes is the students will bring an idea to pitch and um, be told no, or how are you going to get paid for that or uh, come up with something else? And that is wrong. (laughs) That let them go with it. Let them see if they can work through the obstacles to care. Let them see if if they can, realize what you see. Okay, this is probably not going to be successful. But just working through that idea to see if it could make an impact or not. Um, Being told no at the beginning is uh, detrimental. And then asking students what breaks your heart. You've worked in healthcare. What do you see that is broken and needs to be fixed? Is it that grandma can't get her medications, you know, set up a delivery service? Is it, you know, uh, too many, America's over-medicated. Okay, how are you going to fix that? Sit down, people, and try and de-prescribe. Create a collaborative practice agreement with the providers. Um, what breaks your heart? Is it is it that pe- people can't get their medications? You know, how can you be an advocate for... Um, patients getting the, the medications that the provider wants them to have or affording those medications? Or is it the food thing? You know, how can they get healthy foods if, How can, and, and have diabetes? Um, you know, how can you be that bridge? What ideas can you come up with? Who can you partner with? Um, and, and look at who, not how, like who can I tap into that can give me information I need to be able to Uh, fix
0: this problem. One other interesting point I wanted to circle back to, Sue, that you mentioned was this idea that often we are too quick to find the faults in an idea rather than praising students or learners for the learning process itself. I think we're too quick to judge the results. And instead we need to focus more on the actual work and the persisting through the process and the importance of, um, really doing the hard work to come up with a solution. Um, Is that something that you try to do with your students? I know you have a lot of students that come with you um, to the various work that you do. Is this the type of mindset you embraced with them? How do you instill this entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, into those students?
1: Ah, I just talk about my journey. um, And then I do allow them time to, come up with solutions on their own for whatever we're working on. Uh, You know, I had a recent student, not Cedarville, who came through and she was going to go retail and that's what she's going to do and yada, yada, yada. And it happened, she happened to be with me during the month of our uh, conference. And I heard her, my business partner, Dan, come up to her And this is toward the end of her rotation. And he said, oh, you're a student. What are you planning on doing afterward? And she's like, I don't know. I think I'm going to leave it up to the universe. I about fell over um, because she was so black and white for the entire rotation and to have (laughs) an answer like that. So I don't think it's not something that I do um, intentionally, but I think just being there is they see what's possible. I do tell students, I'm like, I'm that B student, you know, I'm trying to model imperfection here. You know, you're going to find some things that I do not do right or not do, don't do well. I want to hear it. I want your input. And I'll tell you what, the last Cedarville student I had, what she gave me, the gift she gave me at the end, the, her project that she worked on while she was working with me about how to make my rotation um, more streamlined so that I can take more students and such was amazing. I was in tears when she handed it to me because it's going to make my life so much easier, but she saw the struggles that she, that I had. She had the background of kind of a data uh, orientation, you know, blueprint type thing. This is A to B to C. Uh, And she was able to grasp all the things that I do and just, here you go. This is what, this might help you.
0: That, that's one of the biggest joys of being involved in, in training students is it, it, simply often you get back much more than you feel like you and still. Um, and so uh, thanks for being a model for that mindset of constantly learning, growing and improving and using students to help ourselves do that well, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So one question that I have is simply this. What advice do you have for someone who's been in the pharmacy profession they have an idea, but they don't know where to start. They think it could yeah. be something, but they just don't know what the next step is. What do they do?
1: Um, surround yourself with people who are doing things similar to what you envision doing. And it doesn't have to be exactly the same. And I I didn't realize the um, uh, impact of that just Hey, you have a neat practice and and then going up and just checking it out and it's like, wow, you know, this is great. This gives me fuels more ideas. And surrounding yourself with people who say, "Well, why wouldn't you do that?" versus, "Oh, you'll never get paid for that or that's impossible." So, kind of who you surround yourself and that was kind of the purpose behind metapreneurs and then bringing those people together who found something that breaks their heart. They're all in a similar situation. Every single person there has a different business model. And so that's really cool by talking with them. You can pick and choose, Oh, that would work for me or, Oh no, that would never work for me. And just creating that community. And that was our overall goal with Metapreneurs was to create a community where pharmacists could go and, you know, on those hard days where you're hitting a few too many obstacles, or you didn't get that contract you'd been working on for six months, or what, who do you go to when things get tough? And who do you go to when things to celebrate? I'm so excited. I have a potential pilot with one of our um, managed Medicaid plans in the state, and but nobody gets that. You know, who do I celebrate that with? Um, so just having that community is the number one thing. If you have an idea just to flesh it out and, um, see what's possible.
0: Great. Well, I think you've been successful at creating that community for many pharmacists and I'm excited to see how the impact of Metapreneurs continues to go on here in the future. So any last parting thoughts you want to leave our our listeners with today?
1: No, I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, Reach out to me. Seriously. If you want to sit down for a 15 minute call and just say, Hey, I've had this idea. I want to be in your network. I, 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 I I feel so passionately about what pharmacists can do and how to get them to the next steps of creating what they dream about. Um, You know, reach out because I'm, I'm happy to help with that. So I'll, I'll give you guys my emails to put in this show notes or whatever. LinkedIn is a great place. I spend a lot of time there. Um,
0: Yeah. Great. So where can our listeners go to learn more about synergy consulting metapreneurs or PGX one Oh one.
1: We each, we have websites for all three Uh, synergy is S Y N E R X. G-Y. Yeah, that was my brother-in-law's idea. So synergy.com, pgx101.com, and um, metapreneurs.com is where you can find out more information. Great. Well, Sue, we
0: are so appreciative of your time. Every Every conversation I have with you inspires me to go and want to do more and try ideas that I have. So thank you for being that inspiration even for myself. And again, thank you for spending time here with us today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. You guys ask great questions and lots of insights there. Thanks.
0: You have been listening to Disrupt, a podcast from the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.